0: Hi, this is Clyde Yancey here at the 2011 American College of Cardiology meeting discussing the late-breaking clinical trials for the segment on the heart.org known as Trials and PIs. I'm delighted that so many of the PIs have joined in with us and especially delighted for this segment that we have Ted Fellman who's here to talk to us about the two-year follow-up data for the Everest II results. These were important data because they describe yet another approach to dealing with clinically important valvular heart disease, in this case mitral valvular disease. Many of us may recall that we saw important results about a year ago at this same meeting that were the first report of what happens in patients who undergo the mitral valve clip versus those who had surgery, and a design to suggest that the mitral valve clip did reasonably well compared to surgery. Obviously, that was at a short-term. This is now at two years, so a slightly longer-term follow-up. And the PI is with us now, and that's Ted Feldman. Ted, delighted to have you here. Great to be here. Ted is from Evanston, Illinois, very close to where I am now. And he's at the Evanston Hospital, which is part of North Shore Medical System. Thank you for being here. Why don't you set things up and take us from the first report a year ago to where we are today in terms of context? Absolutely. Uh, As you had mentioned, this is a
1: catheter-based percutaneous therapy for mitral regurgitation, and uh, particularly exciting because it is the first therapy other than open-heart surgery for MR that we've had. So it is a first-in-class experience. What we found at one year was uh, in a randomized comparison now, a randomized two-to-one clip compared to either repair or replacement surgery, Uh, We found first of all that as you would expect for a percutaneous catheter procedure compared to open surgery The 30-day safety profile is superior for the clip about a 15% 30-day mace rate for clip compared to about 48% for surgery Uh, In terms of efficacy we found that surgery is better at reducing MR both therapies result in improved left ventricular chamber dimensions and that, interestingly, despite the better MR reduction with surgery, we have a better New York Heart Association functional class outcome with the clip. Uh, and the importance of today's report is how does that hold up between one and two years? And in fact, the uh, the Kaplan-Meyer outcomes for mortality absolutely flat, actually, from day one through the end for mortality. The uh, outcomes for recurrent MR greater than three plus completely flat, Mm -hmm. and where the the curves differ is in only in the early first six months actually where we see about 20% of the CLIP patients needing surgery for inadequate reduction of mitral regurg, and then from one to two years, and now actually in in a limited number of the patients out almost three years, Mm -hmm. uh, no differences at all in the composite outcome of those major measures
0: of death repeat surgery or recurrent severe MR. So what I'm hearing is uh, these major outcomes that are incredibly important are very similar for the two arms but I'm also hearing that surgery gives you a greater magnitude reduction on the MR but that with the clip patients may fare better. Now I'm wondering first that I summarize that correctly. Yeah and I, I think again to
1: emphasize we have to ask ourselves why if we have a lot of patients with 2-plus MR in the clip group, which is not a result you look for when you do open surgery right. for a residual. Uh, we see that being very stable over two
0: years. Why are those patients doing so well clinically? And so that begs the next question, because one wonders if they're doing so well, is in the context of not having had to go through surgery with whatever the subsequent rehabilitation recovery process might happen to be pain, etc. So it's an open discussion. I don't think we have the answer. And we obviously have to yield to the fact that we're doing statistical analyses and. Who knows what we'll see as the experience gets broader, but it is interesting that there are some signals that suggest a true benefit when one looks at the percutaneous approach, and there are other signals that suggest that surgery, especially because of its durability, and we need to talk about durability for a second, is still a very real alternative that um, comforts us as we're taking care of our patients with marginal insufficiency. But one of the big questions that everyone had about seeing data beyond one year, which is what we saw at this meeting a year ago, is what is the durability of this clip? Will this clip hold? Your view on the durability of the procedure.
1: Well, We have some data from the surgical experience using the edge-to-edge approach, uh, published by Ottavio Alfieri, who's the surgeon who originated the procedure that the clip is really based on. Uh, and he has a series, small series of patients treated with isolated edge-to-edge, so very similar to uh, the CLIP group in our trial, with 12 years of follow-up, and uh, really pretty flat Kaplan-Meier curve after the first several months when early failures may occur, uh, and that we're now seeing, uh, with complete follow-up to two years, a flat Kaplan-Meier, and in fact, between one and two years, only one additional patient in the clip group and one in the surgery group mm-hmm. required a reoperation. operation uh, We're seeing a flat curve now clearly to two, probably to three years, mm-hmm. uh, so that I'm very optimistic that as we go further we're, we're going to see uh, that the results are maintained.
0: Well that's very interesting. So what I'm trying to get at now is to think about our viewers and give them some take-home messages, help them kind of digest What we've discussed and then there's another I think very provocative area. I'd like to discuss with you But I want to pause here and deliver some take-home messages. Well One of them is that we have a new therapeutic option for MR
1: for selected patients. This is for a specific anatomy uh, That clearly can keep uh, 78% of patients at two years free from needing surgery and feeling well, so that's one key message Another key message is that this is a brand new technology. Mm -hmm. So from a technology and procedure standpoint, there are some very interesting things. It is echo-guided, for Mm -hmm. example. So it, it makes a new demand on the interventional physician to learn a lot about imaging. And it's another therapy where a partnership with imaging, surgery, anesthesia, a whole team is really important. And then the last piece, and we haven't talked about this yet, is we've done some subgroup analyses on a randomized trial, and we have some registry data also. Uh, and in our subgroup analysis in a randomized trial, we see the best results in patients over 70, mm-hmm. those with LV ejection fractions under 60, and those with functional MR. Our registry data are comprised mostly of those older functional MR patients mm-hmm. They're referred because they have risk factors for surgery or are inoperable. And we see safety results equivalent to the randomized trial, it's a clearly remarkably safe procedure. And we're seeing really good efficacy results also. So I think today we have the greatest confidence about recommending this therapy for not
0: necessarily inoperable, but certainly for higher risk patients as well. So Ted, I think you've given us a very nice capsule of where the database sits now but let's just probe um, almost for fun Mm -hmm. in two or three areas. One has to do with the realization that we're taking one approach for mitral insufficiency when there may have been multiple different etiologies that generated the mitral insufficiency. The second issue worth a little bit more elaboration is if the going forward message is this is an appropriate procedure for selected patients. The registry insights you just shared with us is somewhat informative, but I'd like for you to come back to that point and then maybe wrap up with how important it is for this procedure as well as for trans femoral or transarterial aortic valve procedures to have a true team concept because it seems like that might be the critical piece for success. So a couple of seconds about much of our So when we started this
1: trial, uh, all of the knowledge base about double orifice repair was in uh, degenerative patients with prolapse. And what we found was that we were encountering functional MR patients who met our inclusion criteria, so we treated them. Mm-hmm. And we were very surprised to see good results. So. Uh, as we go forward, we're gathering more and more data on the functional MR group. And again, bottom line, we're seeing results that are, are good and very similar to our broader experience with the clip. And this is a group that has not done so well with surgery. So mm-hmm. this is very exciting. Uh, so we are able to treat those two etiologies and further
0: the both ischemic and heart failure-related MR populations. And this is where the registry will help you because you can start to capture some of these other etiologies. Tell me again, for the purposes of the audience, just a real nice encapsulated list. Who do you think is the right selected patient? Well, we have two sets of criteria. First, valve
1: morphology. So the origin of the jet has to be from the A2P2, central part of the, the valve, so we can get at it mechanically. Right. The, the width of the jet can't be greater than about 15 millimeters. And again, it's a mechanical problem. We can't just clip the whole orifice closed. Right, right. So two clips will get us a 15 millimeter flail width or vena contracta origin. Uh, and then the, the major clinical features of the patients, uh, we've treated surgical candidates, we've treated inoperable patients. So we can treat the whole spectrum. We're clearly seeing our best results in the higher risk
0: patients. Great. As a guy who's been on the inside, emphasize to us please the importance of the multidisciplinary team collaboration because this is not something for one guy to go out and say I'm ready to start a valve program. That, that is
1: a, a really critical feature of this whole world of structural heart intervention. And many people think if you've got a surgical partner and an anesthesia guy who will show up for the procedures and an echo colleague who will come in for the TEE that you've got what you need. And that is a tremendous understatement. We have a a huge team with uh, nurse practitioners and uh, a whole array of support staff, research coordinators. Uh, We did a team photo at our place. It's 50-plus people, you know, waving up at a camera on the balcony. And uh, the value of the team is, in my opinion, much more than what goes on in the cath lab. The biggest part of it is patient selection. Right. So especially for mitral regurgitation, which is probably the most complicated valve lesion we deal with, uh, being able to to really have a good conversation with the patient and one of your heart surgeon colleagues and an experienced valve surgeon is
0: critical for being able to select the right patient great. You know, this parallel with our heart transplant programs is Mm -hmm. something that comes to mind right away because the key to successful transplantation by far is what happens before the procedure when the team Mm -hmm. sits and deliberates. This is Claude Yancey. I have really enjoyed the opportunity to visit with my neighbor, Ted, to uh, really discuss an incredibly important concept in clinical trial here at the 2011 ACC meeting. We've had a great conversation about Everest too. There will be more data forthcoming, but this is, if you will, the beginning of a new era, structural heart disease intervention. And we are learning new strategies, we're understanding more about the biology of disease and understanding different approaches we can use to benefit our patients that do, in fact, have structural heart disease. As these technologies come forward, we need to be very thoughtful, very learned, very clear in what kinds of questions we need to pursue, what kind of data points are required, and very critical in our assessment of these data points so that we can bring these strategies forward in a way that best befits our patients. I'm delighted that we've been able to share this info- information with you. I really hope this has been of use and of help to you. Thank you for tuning in to the Heart.org Trials and PIs.